and welcome to my spoiler review of Disney's live-action Mulan. And it's a little weird to do a spoiler discussion in the times that we're living in because there are movies coming out that a lot of people can't or won't see. I mean, there are movies coming out in theaters and not everyone can or was willing to go. And then there are movies like this that are coming out on streaming but are kind of expensive. And so you have that issue as well. There's also a political political drama unfolding around Mulan. Uh, just when we thought that it was, you know, we had we had understood maybe the comments the lead actress had made because of the political situation uh, in, in China, uh, I'm seeing headlines now about the fact that the Chinese government is still trying to use Mulan as anti-Hong Kong propaganda. And that, I think, puts everybody in a really difficult position. Uh, you know, Holly, this, Disney has, this is the, this is the move I've seen Hollywood do that's the strongest to try and directly sell something to the Chinese public. You know, in the past, it's been like, hey, you want to see this movie too? But this is like, no, we made this for you. And I think that it's, it's really exposing not only how different the the China is from the United States and the West overall, but the China, I think it's exposing the, let's just say, complications. And I don't really know if it's if if China is worthy of of being so polite, um, but you know the situation that's going on over there. So let's focus on the film. But I am very unhappy to see those latest developments uh, today. So yeah, this is the spoiler review where it's time to pour the tea. Yes, everyone. You know I'm frustrated. Everybody's been like with previous Disney live action remakes. People are like. Oh, it's the exact same movie. Why'd you remake it? And then they go and they make a movie that's like legitimately different. And people are like, oh, why didn't you keep it the same? And we're going to talk a little bit about at the end about maybe a different approach they could have taken. Uh, I'm really curious to see how Mulan does. The globe over. The globe over. All right. So pouring the tea. Yes. I mean, I'm sure many of us could act out Mulan, the animated movie right now, (laughs) because we know it so well. And that scene is still in the movie, the matchmaker scene. But instead of a cricket who messes things up, it's a spider. Many of you were stumped in my spider in my, in my emoji review why there was a spider included there, and that's why. And I have to say, as someone who also hates spiders, like uh, Mulan's sister, uh, the CGI spider was top notch, as it freaked me out as well. I was like, I mean, I'm glad I understand why Mulan didn't kill it, but I would have been like, I oh, curse this curved bottom of the teacup. Stomp, 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 stomp. I mean, that that thing looked venomous. Uh, but uh, yes, what we're going to do is we're going to put the mega spoilers up front, and then we'll go into a bit more of a nuanced discussion about characters, story, and perhaps a different approach that, you know, a different path that the uh, live action Mulan could have taken. Because I know a lot of you are going to be waiting to watch Mulan until the three months are up and you can watch it for no extra cost on Disney Plus. So you probably don't care about spoilers in this situation. You're like, yeah, just tell me. But I kind of hope, as someone, again, who loved the movie, that you might start to hear some of these cool spoilers and be like, maybe I should check it out and go give it a whirl on Disney Plus. Again, you know, multiple people can watch it on an account. I'm just saying. You know, I think, you know, Disney accounted that in their in their decision on where to put set the price. All right. So Ming-Na Wen. Oh, I was just delighted to see her show up in a cameo. Now, I put that in my non-spoiler review so you would keep an eye out for her. And of course, now that you've seen the movie or if you're waiting, it's when Mulan is presented to the emperor and she is announced. And they do this cool thing where they just show the gown as it moves this beautiful silken green gown with gorgeous embroidery as it moves across the floor of the emperor's uh, 
you know, throne room. And I was like, did Mulan get dressed up? Does she have her own amazing ball gown? Like, you know, the other Disney live action princesses have had. Uh, but I was an even better, and it was a gorgeous gown, but it was an even better surprise when they cut to who was walking and it was Ming-Na Wen, again, the original voice of Mulan. And she just looked phenomenal. I mean, she could have been in this movie. I don't, I wouldn't have replaced anyone, but you know, maybe in the sequel. Oh, I hope there's a sequel. We'll talk about you know, that just a little bit in this review, but I'd love to see Ming-Na Wen in there. I, th- I thought she did, a, and she's still working for Disney. She's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. So you, in fact, refer to her as her agent name there instead of Mulan. So uh, I think she just looked great. She was one of the ladies of the court. So that was really a nice thing to do. Uh, and it always bothered me in the original film that Mulan turned down the emperor's offer to be one of his advisors. That was the offer in the original animated movie. Uh, but this way, in this, in this live action film, I was so happy that they found a way to have their green tea cake and eat it too. Uh, but I, I wish there wasn't a pandemic because actually, well, it's Japanese pastry, but there are some wonderful Japanese pastry or bakeries uh, in New York City, and I, I would have liked to have had those snacks for this movie. Darn it! But anyway, uh, there's a couple of places, actually. There's a place, I don't know if anyone's a New Yorker, but a Paris baguette is actually, it's called Paris baguette, but they specialize actually in Chinese and Japanese uh, food, and they have some really great cool, elaborate pastries, which also would have gone great with this movie. Ah, the pandemic. But anyway, Mulan says here that she, when the emperor, here the emperor says, do you want to be a general in my army? And I'm like, oh boy, oh boy. And then she's like, oh, I have to turn it down. The whole court's like, what? And that was me too, watching the movie. And then Mulan says, you know, I kind of was mean to my family. I left in the middle of the night. They think I, they might think I'm dead. I really should go back there and apologize and let them know that I did not dishonor the entire family. And I was like, fair point. And I thought it was a great moment because the emperor was like, yes, family is important, also an important virtue. And I was like, China's going to love that. I think any, I think anybody would love that. I think, you know, it's wonderful that she doesn't want her family to worry about her. I think even if she hadn't left in the middle of the night, she'd be like, I've been away for a long time. I'd like to go home for a minute and check in. So that's what she does, and that was a wonderful moment. She rode into her village looking all cool, and then her father said, a warrior recognizes a fellow warrior, and I just thought that was beautiful. I thought that was such a great moment, and I thought it was a nice balance that her sister is like, well, you were gone, I was matched, and her sister's happy about it. So it's like one sister's traditional, one sister's not so traditional, and I think it just goes to show that, you know, one person doing walking a different path doesn't mean the other path is necessarily destroyed, but you know everybody's unique, and you know we don't have to all walk the same path. But that doesn't negate the old path in general, or as something that somebody else should and is happy to do. So I thought that was really important. I thought that was great. I mean, I wish her sister had a little more screen time instead of just being like, "Don't worry, some women still want to get matched." <laughs> but I thought it was really nice. So anyway, Donnie Yen then rides right into town, like right afterwards, like she just got home. Donnie Yen must have left immediately after her, or he's faster. But he comes into town with his fellow troops, and he gives her a gorgeous new sword. Her sword, her father's sword is destroyed during her battle with Jason Scott Lee. We'll talk about that when we talk about that sequence. Loved it. But he says, here's a new sword, and it's in a gorgeous jade scabbard. I was like, collector's item. And it has a new virtue. It has like the, you know, brave loyal and true, uh, which was used very well throughout the film on the front of the sword, like her father's sword did, but they added a new virtue on the back of the sword, which was dedicated, I think it was like dedication to family. And I was like, I like it. I like it a lot. 
And then Donnie Yen says, hey, you want to reconsider the emperor's offer? And it's like, it's funny because it's like, what, been like two days? And, she, and they're like, come on. And it's not even like months later. They're like, have you had enough time off? But anyway, Mulan didn't answer. But like, you could kind of see, I think, that she was going to say yes. So I'm like, ah, oh, sequel. So I really hope a lot of people watch this on Disney Plus because I would like to see Mulan as one of the generals in the army. I think that would be fantastic. Uh, I, I mean, they did a sequel for animation, but it, it was not particularly good, in my opinion. She just was like the emperor's like babysitter. You know, she's like, we have to have some people escorted. And I'm like, having her actually be in the military like uh, would be fantastic. All right, so the other two really big surprises to me in this movie are Gong Li and Jet Li. So like Mulan, Gong Li's Zian Lang, who was really just called a witch throughout the entire movie, has powerful chi. And that made me wonder if Mulan kept practicing, could she eventually shapeshift and do all the cool things that Gong Li was doing? Because I'd like to see that in the sequel too. But Zian Lang didn't have Mulan's support group. She didn't have a father who was cool with having a daughter who acted more like a son. Uh, she didn't have a bunch of guys that she met who were self-confident enough not to be intimidated by her chi. And so Zian Lang was branded as a witch and made an outcast, and she had nowhere to go. And she was forced, therefore, to walk a dark path. And that made her a very sympathetic villain. She was like the ghost of Christmas future to Mulan, to borrow from another famous story. Like, this is what could become you if you don't hide who you really are. But so I thought it was really, really powerful that Mulan says, no, I won't walk the dark path, but yet still doesn't like and be like, and you're horrible for doing it. Mulan understood why Gong Li made the choices that she did and still feels there's hope for her. And so that's why when she goes to the throne room and can't find the emperor, she asks for help. I thought that was crucial that Mulan asked Gong Li for help and was like, help me, please. That throne room scene was so cool. And she runs in and she says, I'm here to protect you. And Gong Li's trying out the throne. And she's like, well, a woman leading the army of China. And that's why, you know, one of you tweeted me and said, why would the witch sacrifice herself for Mulan? Because Jason Scott Lee fires an arrow at her and Gong Li turns into a, back into a bird and stops the arrow and sacrifices herself. And that's because I think she saw a future for women in China. She saw that change was possible and she wanted to make sure that change happened. And I thought that was incredible. By the way, I wouldn't worry about Gong Li. She's a shape-shifting witch. I'm sure she's actually okay if there's a sequel. As for the Emperor, while I love the character overall, I did think that it was shocking, as I said in my non-spoiler review, that Disney actually had the nerve to dub over Jet Li's voice. Now, sure, because I, I went to double check. I was like, I believe he's dubbed. Let me check. So I saw an interview with him that was done actually for Mulan. And yeah, he has a higher pitched voice, but his English is excellent. And I think he totally could have performed the role. And I think it's very uncool to dub him over. I think it speaks to the very poor and, uh, and I think regretful practice that Hollywood had for quite some time with, you know, uh, Asian actors and films dubbing them over. And then to do that in 2020 with one of the biggest stars in China, I just thought it was incredibly disrespectful and unfortunate. And I just can't believe that, again, in 2020, someone, not, not only one person, but all the people that have to see a film and improve, approve it would be like, yes, that's what we should do. And not one person said, are you nuts? We can't dub over Jet Li. That's his voice. Whatever it is, even if it wasn't good, I'd be like, well, we're keeping it because it's Jet Li. I just thought that was really unfortunate. But he did a great job with the physicality of the role. I mean, I love that he got to fight Jason Scott Lee. He looked cool on his horse when they were just kind of doing the posturing when he went out. 
Uh, but then when he actually had to fight everybody and was doing that cool stuff, because he had chi too. It was just two women. And then also, for some reason, the emperor. I don't know why more people didn't have chi. We'll talk about that too. Uh, but, you know, he was doing the cool, like, silk sash fighting work with the with the billowy uh, uh, banners at the construction site. <laughs> there's always a construction site in a movie, even if it's uh, ancient China. There's They were working on something. But, you know, he could take care of himself. And so I thought that was great. But then he had some great lines, you know, and Jason Scott Lee's like, China's sons will not save you. And you're like, oh, it's China's daughters. Here she comes. And that was great. I thought that was a great setup. Great lines in this movie. We'll talk about my favorite scene in just a moment moment. And then also the emperor, while he, you know, caught the arrow that Jason Scott Lee fired at him. Uh, so it was like, yeah, he can do cool stuff. Don't worry about it. Uh, he then set it up for Mulan. He like threw it up in the air and then Mulan did a cool, like, you know, kick, rotational kick and kicked the arrow to kill uh, Jason Scott Lee. He tried to grab it, but he missed. It was great. And it was teamwork. You know, they, they did it together. You know, the emperor, you know, the emperor could have taken care of Jason Scott Lee, but he was like, no, my child, you know, daughter of China, you do it. And he set it up for her. And I thought that was wonderful. I thought, you know, it made, it made Mulan not a Mary Sue. You know, she doesn't like, don't worry, emperor, I got this. The emperor, you know, gave her the honor of that kill uh, in his name. It was very, it's, you know, it was very, it's very badass. I thought it was great. I thought the whole fight scene was very well balanced, literally, because she's had to do a, a lot of balancing act on those poles. But working as a group, you know, just as China is supposed to do. I always love that funny sketch about from 30 Rock, you know, Michael Sheen was a guest star and he was joking about the stress of having the Olympics in uh, the UK after they had them in China. And he's like, we don't have that kind of control over our people. You know, the self-sacrifice in China and the important, recognize, recognizing the importance of the group, I think is, a, is one of the quality, I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword for China, quite frankly. But I think sometimes it's quite moving. And I thought it was here. Uh, the whole fight scene was excellent. I thought her losing her father's sword that she'd taken without, you know, that she'd stolen to try and protect him, but it melted. I thought that was really great. And you felt her loss. I thought that was a great moment. And I liked when they were both balanced, uh, you know, Mulan and Jason Scott Lee on that wooden beam. And then I actually gasped. It was so cool when she took his sword from him and then cut the rope and then he fell and she was able to grab it, you know, and she was hanging there. I thought that was really clever. I thought it was a great moment. But, you know, it was tough. It was, she struggled. I thought that was really excellent. Uh, and then outside, her unit took down Jason Scott Lee's elite guard all by themselves. I don't know how they did it because they didn't seem to be that good up until then, but they managed to do it. And it was important for them to have a win too. You know, the, the movie really spread around who was responsible here. It wasn't just the Mulan show. And I think that's really good. So those are like the really big spoilers, right? So let's go into a little bit more of the nuance. So there was one thing, you know, people always felt, you know, is Mulan an LGBT character? And I think, I think it's open to interpretation, less so in this movie. But there was a moment where Donnie Yen says to Mulan that, if, you know, if her father's all right with it, he'd like to have Mulan match with his daughter after this is all over. And it was a weird scene because Donnie Yen and Mulan's characters never really connected. So you were like, why do you want to marry this guy off, you know, guy to your daughter when you don't even really know him. You know, you just know her. I guess, I mean, how much do you really know anybody with the matchmaking process? But I don't know. It didn't seem earned to me. Also, as I told you, I didn't think Mulan in this movie passed at all for a guy. So I, I you know, and I don't really know what the purpose of that was. You know, I felt like, was it just there for an LGBT nod? And if it, but you know, then it seemed like maybe like it was, since it wasn't earned, it seemed like it was just pandering. So that was like, I think, 
I, I'm not quite sure why that was put into the movie. Uh, maybe to show how bad an idea matchmaking is. You know, people should really kind of get to know each other and then just decide if they like each other. But whatever. I thought that bit fell a, bit fl- a little bit flat. But I still think that this movie would appeal to the LGBT community and really anyone who feels like they're an outsider from the group. Because my favorite scene was when Gong Li uh, is like, who are you? And Mulan keeps insisting that she's this, she uses the name, you know, her fake name is a guy. And Gong, so Gong Li's asking her again and again. And Mulan is not operating in her full potential because she's living this lie and Gong Li knows it. And so she finally, she's like, you're, you, that's not who you are and you're going to die is a lie. So she hits her with a throwing star and Mulan goes down and you're like, oh my God, did she die? And then there's the voiceover has this wonderful narration. It says that day, the guy that Mulan was pretending to be did die because a lie can only last for so long. And then Mulan sits up and you see that the leather binding that she used to hide her identity to, to mat down her chest is what stopped the throwing star. And then it, the, the line, the narration continues and says, but Mulan lived. And then she's like, I have to be myself. And I, and, 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 and even if I'm not accepted. And I thought that was just incredible. I thought that was my favorite scene in the movie. I thought it was incredibly well done. It was just perfect. And because, you know, throughout the movie, they'd showed that not being her true self was holding her back. And I even particularly, speaking of one Donnie Yen interaction that I thought worked, was when he invited her into his tent and he said, you have an amazing connection to Chi. Why do you hide it? And she had to stop herself because she couldn't answer. But we all knew the answer was because she's a woman. And, it, you know, at that time, and sadly, even still today, some people feel this way. Nobody wants to see a woman who can do cool things, you know, physical things. You know, like that's not what women are supposed to do. So she was hiding something that for a guy would be considered a plus. But because who who she was and who she was born as, it was considered a negative. And I thought that was incredible. Really great stuff. Now, also, I spoke in my non-spoiler review about how this showed about women in the army. Uh, and someone asked me what I, what I meant about that, so I wanted to clarify here. I think it showed not only what it's like for women in the army, but really anyone who finds themselves in a group where everyone else is not like them. Not fitting in, not, you know, the loneliness of having no one to talk to or no one else who understands what you're going through, the fear of being rejected and or failing, but then also the pride and excitement of that it might work and you might prove that you deserve to be there as much as anybody else. And I th- so I thought that was really all captured quite well. I just found the whole film to be a lot more sophisticated than the animated movie. I thought the line where her father says, I know my place, it's time you learned yours. I thought that was really strong. Um, I thought it was great when her mother said, we have to be prepared that your father won't return. I think that line about know your place was a little bit in the animated movie, but it, I don't think it hit as hard as it did here. Uh, so the stuff about the father not coming back, uh, the talk about soldiers being matched. I mean, I thought that was really good. I mean, it wasn't the song of a girl worth fighting for, but again, I thought this was more sophisticated about the nervousness from both sides about, you know, not only not knowing who you're being set up to spend the rest of your life with, but, you know, when uh, Yosun An is taught, you know, Mulan's love interest is talking to her uh, when he thinks they're both guys. And he says, I don't even know how to talk to women because the groups were, especially in that time period, were kept apart. So you've created a situation where, you know, they, you've you almost set it up for failure or lack of connection because they don't see each other as people. And so, and then Mulan's like, just talk to her like you're talking to me. And I'm like, I love it. So I thought, even though they took the kiss out, because Chinese audiences apparently didn't like it in testing, I thought there was enough of a romance between the two of them that that worked for me. I, th- I, thought, that, I thought that element was there. 
I like the soldiers also talking about maybe being killed the next day and Mulan trying to cheer them all up, but then her hand was shaking because she was nervous. And also the talk throughout that there can be no bravery without fear. I thought that stuff was all great. And then Mulan's unit abandoning her when she went after Jason Scott Lee's character and she decided to press on because, you know, she felt she had a responsibility. I thought that stuff was really wonderful. And on that note, when she goes back as a woman, because she, she learns that, you know, Gong Li tells her that Jason Scott Lee didn't retreat, because, you know, Mulan's like, you fight for a coward, and Gong Li's like, that's what you know, it's misdirect, he's already at the Emperor's palace, or he's almost there. So Mulan says, I need your help to come and protect the Emperor. And when everybody, all the men in the unit say, I believe Hua Mulan, and it's a chorus of this, that was such an incredible moment to me because not just women, but any outsider, they really, we all just want to be taken seriously and to, you know, be considered an equal and for our voices to be heard and considered. So I loved that moment. Then yes, why are foo aplenty in the movie? This Mulan has powers, which is why I compared it to Wonder Woman to some degree. Uh, in my non-spoiler review. I know some people don't like Mulan having powers, but this worked for me because I think it made it more of a fantasy kung fu movie. Uh, I did think it was weird that only women seemed to be connected with to, to the chi. Because, you know, apparently Mulan's father was, but I guess he wasn't anymore because you weren't really seeing that. Donnie Yen seemed to say that he was, but we didn't really see that. We saw it with the emperor, thank goodness. But if I had one note, in addition to don't, don't freaking dub over Jet Li, it would be like, I think you should show that anyone could connect with their chi. Uh, it's not just something that women do. So again, in a sequel, I would potentially like to see that explored more. But I have to say, I think that Nikki Caro, Rick Joff on Amanda Silver and Disney, none of them Chinese, made a really good Chinese Kung Fu fantasy film. And I'll be curious to see how it does in China and other Asian countries. Because Kung Fu fantasy films actually don't do that well in the West. Uh, I mean, they have their fans, but they're not big box office hits. And interestingly, Westerns, which are derived from Kung Fu movies, also aren't particularly successful in the, with Western audiences. So that's a big uh-oh for this movie. Uh, I mean, will trading and appeal for China work in the long run for the overall box office is U.S. appeal is potentially or Western appeal is potentially sacrificed. Almost every Disney live action remake to date has been a big lavish musical. And so I was like, how could they have done that here? And I was reminded of 1956's The King and I, which when it was released was a huge hit in the United States. It was the fifth highest grossing movie of the year. But recently I tried to rewatch The King and I, and I had to turn it off because I thought it was so offensive. I mean, there's not a single Asian person in that cast. They're like Rita Moreno, who's a very talented individual, by the way, but she's not Asian and she's playing a princess in that movie. Uh, you know, uh, I just thought that was horrible. I mean, Ewell Brenner, he's Russian. I guess maybe, you know, there's uh, Mongolia in, throughout in history. There's that some crossover there. But really, I mean, like, I, I just couldn't. I mean, it was so offensive. But it had that lavish musical production thing to it that maybe if they had taken that approach with Mulan and made it more like the animated movie with the big musical numbers, maybe it would be like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin at the U.S. box office. I mean, we'll see how it does. We're getting a little movie math here, but I just want to point out that China is capable, well, at least on paper, of putting up $700, $800 million for a movie itself. Um, Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast, although only they did under 100 million in China because China doesn't really like those big lavish musicals. The Lion King and the Jungle Book, interestingly, both are, did over 100, but only 150 was the highest. Nowhere near the 700 to 800 uh, that I'm sure Disney is hoping to get closer to. 
So we'll see what happens. I love Disney's live action Mulan, but then I not only like Disney animation and big fantasy films and wedding cake musicals, but I also appreciate kung fu movies and westerns. So, you know, I'm just curious what the mass appeal for this Mulan movie is going to be. So I, I think it's a complex situation. And this is really the first movie that's been made, tr- tried to have been made to target two very different audiences. And I just don't know how it's going to work out. We'll see. What did you think? It's the spoiler review, so you can go to town in the comments. Thanks for going over this with me. Uh, subscribe today. And of course, as always, you can check out some more videos right now.